Most of us have been uh, quite focused on the recent developments in regards to the coronavirus pandemic, and rightly so, because it is certainly uh, a threat to many of our our health and and well-being. However, it may have also unfortunately distracted us from the wider picture and the existential threat of climate change. Uh, There are unfortunately still some climate change deniers, such as the U.S. President Donald Trump, uh, who uh, him and his allies have been uh, busily undermining environmental protection frameworks, uh, a lot of different policies that are at odds with what uh, environmentalists and uh, people who do believe that uh, climate change is indeed a man-made phenomenon uh, are opposed to. Uh, We want to get some more perspective on a recent heat wave that has alarmed scientists and this Arctic heat wave, as well as the consequences of what we need to be worried about. I'm very pleased to be joined from the Department of Atmospheric Science at Colorado State University, an expert on the Arctic climate, Dr. Zach Leib, on the line. Hello. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us, uh, Dr. Leib. Could you first uh, explain to us in layman terms, uh, we know that the the Arctic heat wave uh, has resulted in the Arctic Circle temperature reaching uh, record-breaking 38 degrees Celsius, which is over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, what are the implications of that? Yes, so this is the hottest temperature ever recorded within the Arctic Circle at a weather station. And during the time of year when it occurred in late June, this is a region that still has areas of sea ice just along the Siberian coastline. And this is an area that sometimes has snow cover or rivers that are falling with ice. So what we've seen is this extreme heat wave that has really dramatically impacted this region that in some years would still be practically frozen. There are always arguments from the uh, climate change deniers when, let's say, we see a severe snowstorm and they'll be like, ha ha, look at that. Uh, What kind of uh, global warming are you talking about? Siberia itself is known for extreme temperature swings. What would you say then makes this recent development with this heat wave kind of stand out from previous years? From a climate scientist's perspective, this event is really unique in the duration of how long the heat has been there. For the last six to seven months, we've seen temperatures more than 5 to 10 degrees Celsius above average in parts of Siberia. And for me, that's truly remarkable to have this area of such warmth that's been over this one particular region. And it has had dramatic implications such as loss of sea ice and loss of snow cover and For me, that's what's truly remarkable about this event. Mm. And uh, a group of 14 scientists from six countries, uh, namely France, Germany, Netherlands, Russia, Switzerland, and the UK, they came together uh, trying to research, understand uh, what's going on with this extreme heat wave in the Arctic. Uh, From what you've been able to gather, what did they find in this uh, comprehensive climate attribution study? Essentially, what these scientists did is they used climate models and past observations to try to understand the likelihood that this event would have occurred with or without climate change. And they actually found that man-made climate change made this heat wave more than 600 times more likely. And this is because the long-term trend is warming dramatically within the Arctic. So when you get these types of weather events, they can become more extreme due to this long-term warming of the region. Well, uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, we're not uh, quite yet at the the peak of 
of summer. Uh, based on those studies' findings, how much more likely is it than this uh, 38-degree record or threshold that we passed in, in the Arctic Circle uh, that, uh, to occur in June compared to uh, from any data we've had, uh, let's say, in the pre-industrial age? Right. And again, this is made possible more than 600 times more likely due to human-induced climate change. And it was a very rare event. Even with climate change, this type of event would have only occurred once every 130 years. As we go forward into the 21st century and the Arctic continues to warm, we can expect the frequency or the chance for these types of extreme events to occur more and more often unless there is a dramatic reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. Right, and we'll get to some of the political implications of all of this. Uh, There's been another term that uh, came out of this that we're hoping you could clarify uh, for us, uh, Dr. Leib. The Arctic amplification phenomenon, what exactly is that, and why would you say that it, it should be something that's considered alarming? Yes, so Arctic amplification essentially means that the Arctic region is warming more than three times as fast as the rest of the globe. And this is because of the type of ecosystem that is in within the Arctic. Sea ice plays a very important role where you have incoming sunlight during the summer, which is normally reflected back out to space because the sea ice is bright and white. So normally that heat goes out into space. But due to climate warming, the sea ice is reducing. So now that incoming sunlight or heat is being absorbed into the dark ocean. And then that heat is coming from the ocean into the atmosphere, which is causing this acceleration or this dramatic warming of the Arctic. And that's essentially what Arctic amplification is. And it's Mm. really concerning for the region because we are seeing changes happening so much faster. Well, it appears that the, the vast majority consensus is that, indeed, this is a problem. Uh, we don't have the expert knowledge that, that you have in terms of uh, what exactly is going on uh, in the Arctic. But uh, overall, climate uh, change uh, advocates have been citing how uh, the vast majority of uh, reputable scientists believe that, indeed, all of this is man-made and there needs to be something done uh, by uh, countries all around the world to try and either mitigate or reverse these trends. Unfortunately, it does appear that uh, elections have consequences. And I don't want to necessarily uh, pigeonhole you into making some kind of political statement, but just in in terms of a a public debate, how what would you say to climate change deniers and even climate change deniers who hold positions of power and can affect policy, such as the uh, current U.S. President Donald Trump? What I try to do is show them data and show that we have multiple different data sets that validate and support this climate warming. And we have climate models that have been made from decades ago that have shown things like the Arctic is going to warm faster than the rest of the world due to increases in things like fossil fuels and greenhouse gas emissions. And that there are numerous international climate and weather centers around the world that all agree and their findings support one another. So I usually like to show how we analyze the data and show that there's all of this supporting data that we've had for decades Mm. to validate the trends of climate change. 
And uh, assuming that we can win the argument here, uh, what do you think should and can be done beyond individual behavioral changes uh, to fight or effectively combat climate change? For me, I always like to say vote. Vote for realistic climate policies. We essentially need a very large-scale reduction in greenhouse gas emissions, a systematic change. And voting is a very simple way for people to choose realistic climate policies that will help to reduce those greenhouse gas emissions and invest in renewable resources. We are going to leave it there. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Leib. Appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. That was Dr. Zach Leib, a postdoc in the Department of Atmospheric Science at Colorado State University, as well as being an expert in Arctic climate.